Old Gold Club. Powered by Blythe Group. With Mikey Burrows and Chris Iwalumo. Are we recording yeah. on the Tassie? Yeah. Mikey's on soon on that. I'm celebrity. Loomswood? I think that's the only the thing rock. I would, the only one I would do is the jungle. Yeah. I don't think I'd have a problem eating, eating all that. No, if you starve and you eat it, don't you? I don't, I, I you just, because I don't, yeah, I don't have a problem. I don't even have a gullet, you know what I mean? Yeah, so like, I can just, I pint, as much as much times it would take to pour a pint in the sink, it's the same as me drink. So you just fair, open up if, and go. If, so. if, you, if you've had the pre-stuff here the day before again, <laughs> yeah. you'd be all right. This is going in the podcast. <laughs> I'm leaving. Hello, everybody. This is the old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Chris Owellamo has just said that he would go on I'm a Celebrity and he could eat anything. Yeah, I don't have an issue with that. Was it camel, camel testicles and eyeballs and all that? Yeah. Kangaroo anus. Because he's had good preparation, on it for the catering. And all, <laughs> so you missed that bit out, didn't you? <laughs> Don't forget that. Would you uh, go on I'm a Celebrity? Uh, yeah, I got asked to do the the Celebrity X Factor. Did you? Yeah, I had to send that. Did you really? Yeah. Why didn't you do it? Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say it's one of my, the my thing talents. Is, you I'm all right, you know, but I just don't. I don't think I put myself. But could have done it. He could have no. done a brilliant Liam Gallagher. No, the thing is, listen, I've I've been asked to do one. When you go on that, you got to be careful because what they're going to do, they're going to open up a can of worms back and back. You've got to make sure you have got no skeletons no in your skeletons, closet. Yeah. Well, and you've got a lot of skeletons. No, it's only on you. The other one. No, but that's what you've got. I've heard. I've seen so many ex players go on there, and it's kind of they've dragged up stuff, and they make them talk about stuff that you don't really want to talk about. So you've got to be careful and mindful of it. Some of them probably need the money to go on it and do it, and that's why they do it. I think. But, yeah, but imagine if Looms had been on Celebrity X Factor. How all like what a push we could have had for the old Gold Club if you were. Like, should you the, that's no, what, that's get, get him on? Get him on dancing. Get him on dancing on ice with Kevin Kilban. He's on there. This isn't is it? what I had to send. Uh, yeah, not with his knees. That's what, I, that's what I had to send my agent. <laughs> He'd be out for months if he went on dancing on ice. To <laughs> six. He's too top heavy. That's his problem. Well, but they since I started doing the, I've done that white collar boxing. Yeah. So many months ago. Oh, You're right there. I'm just trying to find. Uh... Just recording a podcast. You're just gonna go through your phone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to. Get I mean, the... talking to the microphone. I'm just trying to get the video face. Just make sure. What are you doing? Yeah. People. I mean, if people paid for this podcast, they'd be outraged right now. It's a good I'm job it's free. just trying to get the, the, the thingy for you. I mean, there'll be people who are thinking, how the hell did this all stay in? But it is staying in. <laughs> oh, apologies. Right. What were you that. trying to find? The video that I had to send my agent. Like, are you singing? Yeah. Oh, come on then. <laughs> right, we'll do it. We'll do it at the end of the Excuse podcast. Me, did at you the just end of the stick that you gave me. At the end of the po- at the end of this podcast. This is a reason why people can keep listening to the end. I mean, Paul Butler's very interesting. Granted. But stay listening to the end because we will hear Chris Owellamo singing. Look at his watch, thinking, "Come on, Mickey, stop!" stop, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah. he's already annoyed because his main agreement for coming down to do this was I got him a latte, and I didn't tell him that there's no lattes. There's hey, give me coffee. a cold, give me a cold coffee. It wasn't cold. He's <laughs> not. That was fresh. That the looks is all. I've been put in a boot room as well. It's, honestly, it's a good job I know him, isn't it? <laughs> Um, anyway, hello yes. there. Hello there, but yeah, how you doing? I'm all right, thanks. I'm looking forward to this one today because I've done um, I've done a couple of charity things with you, and we've spent a lot of time together doing games and stuff as well. So I know quite a lot of your stories, and I was half telling Loom some of them, which we'll save for the main show in just a minute. But he's got some brilliant stuff that. 
kind of a, a great insight, I guess, into what goes on inside dressing rooms, which is interesting because we are recording at a time when there's uh, some kind of celebrity story out there <laughs> about somebody giving information that shouldn't be put into the public domain. But in a footballing sense, like it kind of happens more and more now. And especially, like, is there a time, like a time limit on when... Because you do after-dinner speaking type stuff, because yeah. I say I've done it with yeah. you, and you might start to do it, and you do obviously a lot of media stuff now, Looms. Is there like a time limit on when you can say stuff that went on? No. It's as simple as that. But you've said stuff in the past on here. Yeah, but I don't I don't throw anyone under the bus. Do I? It's like one of those things. I'll tell you a little funny stories. Uh the, the one that I remember Marbella. Yeah, the, they threw the, some the, pineapple at someone from Unbelievable Made yeah. in Chelsea. Or but something. it's just like these the only are way just, is Essex. These are these are just things that happen, but there's there's things that, that happen in the dressing room in the uh that I, I don't know if it would be taken the right way, although in that kind of in that environment, it was it's banter and it's funny. But if that went out into the public domain, it definitely raised a few eyebrows. Yeah, I agree with it. But what I, what I do is I tell the people before I'd say it on air. So most of my stories and most of my things, the lads know I'm not lying about it. And I tell them. But one thing I would never bring up and never bring what goes on in the players' lounge, wags or whatever, do you know, them kind of stories. Yeah, who, yeah. Doesn't, who doesn't talk to, who doesn't sit like each other. And I won't do that. Just lads, basically, lads I played with, because they know I've got the respect in there. They've got respect to me. Well, because we were on our way round to the little room that we record this in, which is in the corner of the steeple stand. Little room, yeah, very little room. Yeah, it is a little room. It's cosy. Um, <laughs> it's, it used to be a storeroom, yeah. genuinely. Um, we, uh, I took Looms into the dressing room because we needed to get some bottles of water, and we were looking at the, you were looking at the new like ice baths and stuff. And we got into a conversation about like communal baths. Yeah. Oh, can't you can't? I can't, I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing this up. So because I said like Back in surely. The old dressing rooms. Oh yeah. yeah I, I said I remember like, being in a few I, of them. Yeah, I've got the old stories in there when two of the players when I first signed was in the in the same bath, and one of them, what's it? Let's say I'd done a number two in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> this is, same one. This is normal. This, yeah, this is, is this normal. Is, this and he was is, laughing. They were sharing the same bath and the bubbles, and this popped up. <laughs> and he just jumped out and I was that was the day I was walking in just had my medical <laughs> <laughs> well that's it I'm oh. saying, I'm trying, I, can't, I won't say the club but I think there's about eight of us after after the yeah. match and the, the the water's filthy anyway yeah, yeah, you know, it's not yeah, even yeah, right yeah, going yeah, in a bath no. you should shower before yeah, you go yeah. in the bath and, and all of a sudden like you say it just pops up in the middle of the bath but imagine eight of us and yeah, everyone's just, no. <laughs> yeah. just and it's it just wouldn't happen would it imagine that yeah, it's like, because I go to the jacuzzi at the gym a lot. If that popped up in the jacuzzi, <laughs> I'd be absolutely horrified. Little things, yeah. trust me, there's, yeah. uh, that's been done. Yeah. Well, I know, I know I'm not going to name the names, but I know there's a former Wolves player who was known for doing quite big number twos to the point where all the lads used to, if he did it, he wouldn't flush or anything. He'd immediately call the lads <laughs> and they'd all go to have a look at it. Uh, I know who that is. Well, I'm ready. Yeah, you do, don't you? <laughs> I'm rated one to ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not bad. I'll tell you, here's a story. I mean, this it's is little thing, it's little things that get you going in training in the morning because you come in. Remember, you you might have come in, you've had an argument with the missus and whatever. Unless next thing you're in and you want a bit of banter going on in the dressing room, and that's what you miss when you finish football. You miss the banter in the dressing yeah. room. So the match, yeah, on a Saturday three o'clock. Don't get me wrong, you miss that. But it's the dressing room stuff and the stories yeah. and some of the young lads mix, mixing in and what the older senior pros used to make the young lads do. It's just who was it? Who was in that was telling us about? Um, oh, who was the 
There was a, a player uh, who used to play for Spurs that played for Wolves in the late 90s. We talked about him. Steve Sedgley. Steve Sedgley. Yeah. And someone was in telling us that Steve Sedgley used to do the number two on a bit of toilet roll and then was, yeah, was, and then kind of walk it round the dressing yeah, room or yeah. stick it in somebody's kit bag. Well, oh, that's the, been done a few yeah, times. The, yeah. the day I signed, it was him and Scotty Taylor in the same bath. And that's what it was. <laughs> so I don't know which one did it, but I've walked in to that and I've seen pop the modern jumps out. So imagine it was Sedge. <laughs> uh, I, I, one of my clubs that was, uh, like you say, on toilet roll, but then walk it like it's a dog in the lead through the yeah. dressing room. Was all... <laughs> <laughs> so basically, everybody thinks that you footballers have been really professional in that dressing room and preparing yourselves for a big game on the weekend. And you're just messing around with no, poo. This is downtime. Oh, this is downtime, yeah. Mikey. You know what yeah. I mean? When you go out there and you walk through the bits that are on, it's it's yeah. that, that just you switch. You know what I mean? You so, got to remember you've got to be in for training for like nine till half past going out for half ten. So you've got forty five minutes to kill. <laughs> so you've got you've got nothing else to do. We didn't do all the prep stuff that used to go out and do the weights and the stretching and all that. We just basically spoke about what they got up to the night before or what happened at the weekend and and then you go out and then you're professional, then you switch on. You switch yeah, on. But but once the boots are on, you're professional. Yeah, that's it. Once it, it's on, yeah. You've, you've got to get out there. But no, it's general chat about it, about what went on over the weekend. Some of the stories are funny. Do you know what? In this part of the podcast, I was going to talk about what makes people great captains. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> It's holding a good dressing room. <laughs> Team spirit, is that what it is? Yeah, well, yeah. And also, you've got to control the dressing room in the sense of senior seniors to the juniors, so they're not really pushing themselves on the kids and the some of the kids that are playing when I played at the time, because when I first joined on loan, there was a 37 pros in that dressing room. I used to get changed there. And you can imagine, amongst them and them 37 pros, there was young kids, Matt Murray, Joe Lescott, Lee Naylor, Keith Andrews, Adam Proudlock, and Branchy was a young lad from Everton. So we didn't want to lose that six because they were the energy, yeah. but they were frightened enough to come in the dressing room. They didn't want to come in because we were intimidated by certain pros in it. So when I first arrived, I realised that, that the dressing room was strong. It was powerful, but not powerful to help the kids out. They were yep. kind of intimidated coming in and it was them kids that pushed, pushed us, really. Would you say that that's gone in today's football? That, yeah. Because that, having, you know, I know what you're saying about intimidation, but yeah. it also builds a character oh, of a player 100%. to come into that environment 100%. and it prepares them yeah. for what football you does know, bring to you, doesn't it? You know it? yourself, just that when we played, you have two two like two apprentices looks after like six pros. Yeah. And the, and that's your lad that you look after. If anybody did anything to him, you come Spot for him yeah. and you protect your apprentice yeah. because that's your apprentice. So you protect him. So at the club when I first come to Wolves, you remember Joel and that were still coming at apprentices. They were coming out of that white, second YTS as we used to call it, that era. But they didn't relate themselves to being first team players, even though we're playing in the first team every week. And no one I seen was looking after them and putting an arm around them because the banter wasn't there with them. There, they couldn't, they didn't understand it. Big Matt, it's the size of him, six or four. He was the most lovely, but he got intimidated very quickly and he didn't like being in there. So Style used to put an arm around him all the time. Yeah. So, so you have that protection with it all. So it is, it is important that you know you're saying going back to it is, is it lost now? Yeah, it probably is. It probably is. It is. I don't think there's enough. Senior players looking after junior kids coming in that are yeah. making the team up, but I don't think they get changed in the same environment anymore. They don't even it's at the same site anymore. 
most of the first team trends somewhere else could wear, wear the juniors trends. It's not allowed anymore. It's, no. not, allowed. it's yes. not allowed for the, like you say, apprentices to even come in clean no. boots and all exactly. that because it's, it's, yeah. it's classes demeaning. Yeah. That's part of yeah. it. That's part of it. Yeah. I got put in the boot room. Yeah. That's with every Friday they'd come in. If there was one boot dirty, the manager and assistant yeah. would come in, lock the door with you at three in, yeah. the lights would go off, anything goes. <laughs> anything goes yeah. until the light goes yeah. on. You had to stop what you've done. This is part and parcel. It's the game. The game has changed altogether. Yeah. It builds character. Because it sounds you know like what? Fight Club. Well, no, it, it, it does. It does give you. You were in at seven in the morning. You didn't leave till four or five. I had my apprenticeship at Bradford, and at the time, Terry Orff was manager there, and Norman, and Archie Graham was the youth team coach. Now, every after we got changed at Valley Parade, and he had duties. Mine was like uh, the the uh, referees' room that all the staff used to get changed in. And at the end of you done all your jobs, Archie used to come down yep. with white gloves on, yep. snooker gloves, yep. and go through all the every. And if anything was dirty, you'd stay back in. Everyone, yeah. in effect, everyone yeah, into, so everyone. we're all in together. So if, if there yeah. was one one area that wasn't right, yeah. and that was your job, yeah. it affected every yeah. every every apprentice. So got it just it. what does that bring? Brings togetherness, united, we're in together. Everyone's helping each other do their jobs. If one of them's struggling somewhere, you're all mucking. The three of us go and help him out. Like somebody, we had we had jobs debiting pictures and painting stands and. You done all this. You just did it. You just got on with it because that was that was your apprenticeship. Yeah. And then if you had a bit of football thrown in it, great. But you, <laughs> but you learn. Yeah. If you actually learn yeah, how yeah. to play football, oh, it it's then tremendous. But it, it brought you up. It did bring it up very quickly. And if you but, didn't learn how to play football, you could at least go into a nice cleaning correct. job. See, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's how it was done at most clubs. It was clubs that you knew your jobs. You had two or three pros. You had to get in early to get the kit because there weren't enough kits sometimes. And it's, you have to fight for it. I'll ask you this then. So, as strong as that dressing room was when you came in, yeah. I know you as a yeah. character, strong character yeah. as well, but you have to go in there and, and, yeah. take, and take the lead, don't you? Yeah, I went in and the, the, how it all came around is I was at Sunderland and I, just, I got injured and uh, I played a couple of reserve games for Sunderland um, at the time and it was at York. We played our reserve games at York City. And on this night, I think we we're playing, I think it was Huddersfield or something like that. I can't remember the game. So, I played just to get minutes under my belt, come back from injury. And I'm walking off the pitch and uh, Peter Reid was there. He was saying, right, you ready for Saturday? I went, yeah, 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 no problem. Right, okay. The team, like Emerson Tom, I just signed Emerson Tom from Chelsea. So the team were keeping clean sheets. So I sat on the bench for two or three games after that. And from that York game when I played Huddersfield, Colin Lee had been at the game. And he phoned up Reedy on that night and says, is there any chance of getting him alone? And Reedy went, no, no, he's, we need him on the first team. So fast forward it, three games in the Premiership, I'd sat on the bench and I hadn't played and I was old school. I needed to play. I wasn't sitting on the bench. Yep. Very rare a centre half gets on. Not like you strikers where it's you yep. know you always get on for two minutes and get your bonus. <laughs> yeah. We didn't we sat on the bench and seen it right out. So we um we basically spoke to Colin, spoke to my agent, and he went, Yeah, come down. So I always remember Thursday night, and you know the story about this. Thursday night, it was a Thursday night, I get a phone call, and I'm living in Durham at the time. So paperwork got done, right, drive down. So I said to the missus, right, I'm going to Wolves for a month. She wasn't too happy, but I'm going, I need to play some games. So set off Thursday up there, looked at me, sat and I'm going, could be like six hours this by the time I get there. Anyway, someone I'll meet at the stadium and I didn't get here till gone half 12, one o'clock in the morning. And I thought, no one's going to be here. And it was Rachel A. O'Flynn that met me here and took me to the mount. And that's how, how much respect I got for the, the woman that, she was the one that hung around. I was supposed to be at nine o'clock and it was like one o'clock in the morning and she was still there waiting for me. And then I went to the mount and then <clears throat> Friday morning, I come down as you do to the, the stadium here, get introduced to the lads. I knew a few of them anyway. Yeah. And I walked in, that was the first sight. I thought, there's no space for me to put my gear up on, do you know what I mean? Because there's 37 pros in here. There's about 15 of them injured 
And that was the first day where I was having a bit of a medical and people were like in the bath and all yeah. that stuff. So, <laughs> and and other other stories were going on. Harvard Flow was pedaling around the pitch with nothing on, just an helmet. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what have I signed here for? Do you know what I mean? I should have come and had my medical and then signed. So it was, it was an out Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I feel like you kind of skipped over something there that kind of, we all just kind of went, sorry, what? And you carried on to, Harvard Flow was cycling around naked. Yeah, he was on, he was on, what happened is, I went out to do my picture, do you know, you with the shirt and all that. And as I'm on the pitch, the physios are out on the pitch and they're going, hang on, we've got to bring Harvard in. And I've not even met Harvard. And I went, wow, what's up? He's injured. He's, he's, he's on the mountain bike pedaling around the pitch. And I went, yeah, but he's got nothing on. And he went, he's got his helmet on. And that's how, <laughs> that's how I think myself. Is no one going to say anything to me? Is there no discipline at the place? And everyone was just laughing. Yeah. But yeah. even the physios were laughing. And I'm going, how was the. And on the far, well, the side we're in now, there was people in these boxes having meetings and he's pedaling around the outskirts of the pitch <laughs> and I'm like that and they, we can't have it we can't have this pitch yet until he gets off the bike yeah and that was just that was that was the first day I was here oh dear um so you understand that the, the problems and issues straight away I'm picking up I just left Sunderland where I've got good pros like now yeah. Quinn up there do you know established pros and you're going now it's running Reedy was like a stickler for, for timekeeping and discipline and anything like that and Bobby Saxon who's number two was old school and I come down here and I'm going well you helped to sort it out and we will talk about that on yeah. our main show in just a second I say been asking people about um, their kind of the the captains that stand out over the time of people being supporters. There's a couple of names that kind of really stick out. Uh, Graham Cope says Sam Ricketts has to be up there. We needed cleansing, and he was the professional that turned the tide alongside Jacket. A lot of people went for Sam Ricketts. A lot of people went for Emlyn Hughes as well, who was the last Wolves captain to lift a major trophy in the League Cup as well. And I guess with all the experience he had, um, Mike Bailey, Mm-hmm. who was uh, captain in the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah. Um, I think beat your boys Man City in the League Cup final. Right, okay, we'll skip, skip across that quickly. Um, uh, uh, Jody uh, Craddock gets a lot of mentions as well. Um, Paul Ince alongside you, yeah. who kind of shared that role. Yeah. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on as well. And obviously a lot of people kind of going for Connor Cody at the minute as a kind of real standout captain. And I think one of the reasons Cody gets it um, is kind of his one started off with a, a documentary that Sky made um, right at the start of Nuno's reigns. They've made a couple. And it was uh, some images. They were playing Leicester in a pre-season friendly. And Connor wasn't even technically captain at the time. But the shots from within the dressing room, all you could hear was Connor Cope. Yeah. All you could hear was him talking and giving messages to other people and stuff. And I guess when you've when people saw that, mm. I think that began a change of... A view of him really and, and his mm. leadership capabilities and mm. you can see that in the way he plays no I think so I think uh, he's worked very hard he's, he's he's worked at his game he's came on so much but he is he's a, he's a leader isn't he you know he, he leads by example mm. by, by, by doing by action uh, and he is he's always communicating he's a, he's a great character I think I think he governs it. He governs it. The dressing room, which is which is a must for a captain. Mm. For you should have leaders yeah. in there anyway, mm. but he, he takes that responsibility on. I think he's got the respect to the the group as well, which is which is massive. 
There's a, a few votes for Keith Curl as well. Ali Robertson, who's been on the podcast and talked a lot about his important captaincy in the late 80s, kind of taking under his wing the likes of Steve Ball, Andy Thompson, Robbie Dennison, a lot of young boys, Andy Much in that team, and kind of also orchestrating them as to have their nights out drinking, which I'm sure you would appreciate no. as well. Um, <laughs> so it's it's de- I just find it interesting like what people kind of see and appreciate in captains and stuff and we'll talk a bit more about that when we get into the show properly and we will also get plenty more including that wonderful day at Cardiff from Paul Butler after we've heard from our brilliant backers this year the old gold club is powered by Blythe Group <laughs> This season, the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Match Day Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Welcome to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Owellamo. And this episode, we're joined by a man who made 141 appearances over four years, helping to end Wolves' wilderness from the top flight. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Paul John Butler. <laughs> John, don't use that one. <laughs> don't use the Paul John. I love it. I love it. Every time I do this research and I find out the middle used, names. Yeah, I should have took that off there. <laughs> I had some bad ones. I yeah, know you can, well. this, that's not bad, John. I there's some horrendous ones, isn't there, out there? You can, you can edit your own Wikipedia if you want. <sighs> that Wikipedia. Yeah, that's the best uh, It's the best source for any <laughs> of this stuff. Yeah. Um, we've got so much that we want to talk to you about. Normally, we would kind of do it from the start and kind of work through. But I want to do it slightly differently today because there is obviously a, a, a period in the middle of your time at the club, which is really kind of synonymous from it so we'll talk about you joining a little bit later on and kind of what happened at the end a little bit later on but I want to skip to the almost that last stretch of your second season when you are in second and cruising (laughs) and 11 points clear yeah and it goes wrong yeah what happened it's Chris will tell you he's like we're 11 points clear and it was seven games to go, six games to go or something. Or was it eight games to go? Anyway, we were drawing games and West Brom were winning games and it quickly goes. So that 10 points buffer that you got, if you draw three games, three points, there you win three games. Six points is took off you straight away. So it's down to four points. And we wasn't as if we were playing bad. We were just drawing games. We couldn't get a win. Yeah. And every time we checked on West Brom's result, last minute goal, 95th minute goal and you're going, and you can feel it. And the sense of the media around Wolverhampton was telling us as well in the papers every day. They're not saying, no, don't worry about them. You're still six points clear with so many games to go. Don't worry about them. It's like, you can't get caught. You can't get caught. No matter what you do, you can't get caught. So in the end, yeah, we got caught. And it was it was devastating, really, to get caught, especially by the team down the road. So can I ask then, so you're in that position, you've got that lead. Yeah. 
does it? Do, do you go into games? The pressure's on. The, the media, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the rivals yeah. that, are, that are on yeah. you. Does that does that change the way that you played? Now you said there that you couldn't get a win, but then do you go into a, a match where kind of set like we can't get beat? Because it is, it's one of them. You know, like if you're fighting yeah, a relegation battle, yeah. you just want to do the basics well. Let's not get beat, and let's we've got quality in the team that can get the results. So, does the mindset kind of change of the players? Yeah, and- we had, we had, and and I'll touch on it. We had certain players couldn't handle the situation. Certain players froze. Right. Uh, the media was was ramped up. If it would have been say Ipswich chasing us, then it wouldn't have been. It was just them down the road chasing yeah. us. And it got up and up and up. And it's very similar where you're in that, that role of you've driven again. And I think we went away to a, a really tough team to end the season and got a good point. I think it might be Sheffield United, so I can't remember us. And a point was, was decent there. But they went away the next day, West Brom and 1-2-1 at Bradford and last kick of the game. And you're going, you can see where this way is going. And yeah. you couldn't, you can't stop it. It's like you're 3-0 up in a game. And we've, we've had many games here where we've been 3-0 down at Leicester. And all of a sudden it's 3-1. Three two, three, and you can't stop that momentum coming. Even yeah. though you go, well, it's easy. You've got your footballers. You can go on the pitch, and you shouldn't get beat four three if you're winning three nil at half time. It does happen, yeah. and you can't stop it on the pitch. That's like the games we were going out to win them. Dave Jones, being very very positive manager, always what played with two wingers. Even he was looking at it, saying to us, "We might go a bit four five one today defensively." And he went, "No, no, forget it. We've we've, we've got eleven points clear because we're positive." Because <clears throat> yes. through February you won seven games in a row, yeah. and then from the start of March for the last nine games you only won twice. Yeah, it was Sheffield Wednesday away on the final yeah. game that you got the two two. But to kind of be on that kind of form, yeah. and I mean even before that, like. You'd only lost what you'd won three and lost one of the four before that kind of yeah. run of seven wins in a row. So, like from that turn of the year, you were absolutely flying, and then all of a sudden it was like you hit a brick wall. You can see it, yeah, you can see it, and and fast forward it to the summer that year when we got beaten in the playoffs. It was massively important that the manager Dave went out and got Paul Lynch and Dennis Irwin. Massively important because if we would have had them from March onwards, they would have got us over the line. Yep. That's why we signed them. That was the only reason that the team was spot on. But the next year, Dave was unbelievable how we convinced Incy and Dennis to come down. And we knew as soon as they walked through the door, you're going, God, the, 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 this, go. yeah, there's, there's a couple more. Don't say too much. Yep. Well, Incy does, but Dennis doesn't say anything. Just having that on the team sheet, Dennis Irwin's out with you, and you're going, we can go anywhere now. Yep. And, and that was the. But off the back of that, we went into the playoffs flat. Yeah, because well, I mean, you went 1-0 up in that playoff game. Yeah, Norwich. And then you end up losing... Yeah, 3-1, was it? Last kick of the game. yeah. I think Muzzy got the last kick of the game on the far side, was it? He won't, but he won't play Muzzy or... Uh, Muscat not Mackay. play. Yeah, no, Mackay. but Ke- Kev Muscat won't play, would he? He won't play him in that game or something. Uh, Dave won't play him when we needed him to play or... He'd had history with, with Norwich down the years, Muzzy, and he didn't trust him. <laughs> Probably one game. of a number yeah. of clubs. So anyway, it's a long... And um, we conceded the last kick of the game, 3-1. 2-1 at Norwich, you fancy, you go, right, OK, yeah, we'll get out of there with 2-1. We've got yep. the away goal, and that's when away goal's counted. Yep. Get out of there. But the 3-1, you're coming back going, that's, that's yeah, done Gun- as the 3-1. Gunnar Haller played that so, game, by the yeah, way. Yeah, remember, yeah. So they left, left Muzzy out. So let's talk about your role as captain. And you said there there was some certain players that froze. I don't want names, yeah. but I'm just saying... When you're saying that the, the momentum's going against you, yeah. what what did you find that difficult as captain? Because you're seeing, yeah, you, you know, you know your dressing room, you know who's who's pulling their weight or not. You know that the, that that the points it's it's depleting yeah. that that gap's getting tighter and tighter. Yeah. 
but you're seeing players freeze that, that, that should be stepping up to the plate and, yeah. and, and, and pushing you forward. And they had done for seven, eight months. They had done for seven, eight months. And you, you see another side to them. But it's how you handle them is some players can take pulling to one side or some players can take a, a, on the pitch having a go at them. Yeah. Other players can't. And there was an handful of them that, that couldn't. And it was hard. And we couldn't replace them with anything. Yeah. Because that was the team. Like I said, they had 37 pros still on the books, I think, that year. And 12 or 14 of them they didn't want to use. Right, okay. And, yeah. and you still had them around you. Sat yeah. in the stands, you know, still talking about you. And yeah. So... What we had of the 14, 15 players, that's what we had, that's what to run with. And you just think it's going to turn, that that 1-1's one, one's going to turn to 2-1. And you're just hoping, but then you, then you also, it's like the Man City, Liverpool last year, who's to say they're going to win 16 on the trot and someone's going to win 15 on the trot? It doesn't happen. And that's what Westbrook, they went on an unbelievable run end of the season. Because that was the game, the second leg of the playoffs. Yeah. The um the fan is a famous picture of the fan brought the banner that he'd made that says you've let us down again. Yeah, yeah. Which to me, I've always felt from the very first moment I saw that, I couldn't understand why someone made that before the game, like because there was still a chance that you could I'm, have turned it around I'm, in that second game. I'm, but it is that a symptom of how kind of negative the place had become? Maybe? It was. It was. It was kind of um, it come to a point when I arrived where it was it was toxic. In, in certain areas and the fans had just come not even to support the team just to have a go at individuals on a pitch not all the fans no no hey, 99% of them brilliant but you could tell there was a section and certain players and I'll touch on it later on the season after what happened with me is they just come to have a go at you not even cheer the team on if you made 15 good passes or 15 good headers they wouldn't cheer that it's the one mistake that they were waiting for and they jump on it. And there was a little section of that. Isn't that just fans? Or, isn't that, that is fans. fans no, you get them at all the big world. clubs. You get them at all yeah. big clubs. And they were frustrated because they wanted to get the premiership. And they seen it and them down the road pipping us. And it, yeah. was just, it was just the anger. And it was coming. And there was nerves. There was a hell of a lot of nerves around the place. And they hadn't been in this position before. They'd been close down in the early 90s to it, but not in the position that we were in. So And Dave got brought to the club because of his track record of, of, of attracting players and... He had a decent budget and getting us up. And that year we didn't. And Norwich did. And Norwich were the better team in the playoffs. Not over the season. I think Norwich finished about 14 points behind us that season, didn't they? In like last position or something. It was strange. They were miles, miles behind us. But they were better than us. And I went to the dressing room after we got beat at home here. And I always speak to Malky all the time when I see him. And he never forgets it. He was captain. And he'd come in and I had to go in and say congratulations. I'm all the best in the final. I thought, me being captain is my duty to go yeah. and say, killed me. Absolutely kill me. But when I went into the dressing room, I learned a lot by being in there for 15 seconds, the atmosphere that was in there compared to when I walked back into our dressing room and everyone was just gone. Yeah, so on, on that negative, obviously, this summer, you say Irwin comes in. Yeah. Does does that... Is, is, you, you said it as a positive. It was a massive yeah. move. Yeah. But also... The, the captaincy, yeah. that's going to be questioned yeah. as well. That's a responsibility. Oh, yeah. That's a great yeah. honour for yeah. you as well. Yeah. That Does that rub you up a little bit? No, we, we, listen, I got told back into the season off Dave. Dave Jones said to us, listen, we're going to try and get two like unbelievable players in. Yeah. He said, we need that experience to give you some help. I says, more than welcome for me. Bring them in. If you can get them in, bring them in. So Dave worked his magic, managed to get them here. First day, I used to travel in with Vince. It was me, Paul Inns, Dennis Irwin, Mark Kennedy, and my cloaks used to travel in, do you know? And then Incy wanted to go by himself because he didn't like travelling before I was in the car. So, <laughs> But from day one, Incy says, you're, you're the skipper, not a problem. And I had no issues with that, not a problem whatsoever. 
when I wasn't playing, he was captain and he could play. I, I was captain, so not a problem at all with that. It's when we started that season, there was still a negativity around the place from the, the season before. You could sense it in pre-season so what, games. What, from what? The fans? From, from the, the fans. From... Still the fans. They were tra- we were travelling away and you could still sense it. Even after those signings? Even yeah, after these players yeah, coming they in? Yeah, you could still, certain fans, not all of them, certain fans coming up to you going, you let us down last year and you, you, you've got this now and you've no excuses. You brought two international players in. and it, I said, well, that's not a given. That's, that, that they're here for when it gets tough. Yep. That it says, and hopefully, that we'll, and they went, right, okay. And you could sense bits of it and we didn't start off great. And um, straight away, I think, was it we had our own first game of the season that year? Away, Bradford. Bradford. And he was a section of fans that you could, I could hear were giving me some stick straight away. Your captain, sort it out. You do this, you do that. I thought, all right, this, this is, this is going to rumble into a bigger crowd. This I can, I can sense it. But, mate, listen, have a go at me instead of the young kids. Not a problem. I can handle it all day. Yeah. And then down the line, about I think it was about 10 games in, 12 games in, we played at home, I think it was on a Tuesday night. Um, I think it was nil nil. I was at Rotherham or something like that at home. And it's a Tuesday night, about twelve games in. Anyway, we were, the fans were every time I, I, I kick the ball out of play or missed time to tackle on it. on it straight away. So come in and um, Dave said to me, um, "I'm not going to take you off." I says, "But you're close to." Just pulled me not in front of the lads. He says, "You're close because I'm not having that kind of atmosphere." I said, "It's taken away from the team." And I went, "That's not a problem." I says, "But." Don't take me off in the dressing room. Take me off on the pitch, so I can walk off the pitch and look at him instead of. Cause that's my principles. Don't do that to me. So I went out second half, five minutes into it, the number come up. It was one of the biggest cheers that happened on the day, and I thought, right, okay. I clapped them all off, clapped every one of them off. Walked off and clapped them all. Young Mark Clyde come on the pitch, give him a big handshake. Walked on, sat in the dugout and sat in there. So that was the Tuesday. The Wednesday morning, I drove all the way down. You know this the story with Dave. I drove all the way down uh, the day off and I said to Dave, what's going to happen now going forward? Clyde is coming. I think they drew the game anyway. I said, I know you want to take me out. That's fine. Not an issue with that. He says, well, it's entirely what you want to do. I says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you, can, you can stay and fight for your, for your place. Or down the years, people just wanted to get off. I says, no, nah, I haven't got that in there. I says, but what I will do, he says, I'll hang around, I'll train. And I spoke to three or four ex-pros who had played with, Steve Bold at Sunderland, Kevin Ball at Sunderland, and I asked them ex-captains, what would you do? He said, get your head down and work. Yep. And work twice as hard. Yep. And I went, right, okay. I says, and every time there's a reserve game, Dave didn't want me to play in it, I played in it. Right. I wanted to play in it. And it, whether it was down at Kidderminster, I went to play in it because I wanted to keep that up. And... Clyde had come in and done brilliant. I was over the moon. Every day in training, I was taking to one side, working on his head in and working on his foot. So I was helping him out on training ground. So it was great with him and I enjoyed watching him play. Then he gets injured round about back in the November and Dave goes to me, Dave Jones, he went, it's your opportunity now. And I went, cheers gaffer, well, yeah, that's the greatest. He'll be playing, he went, Newcastle in the Cup, Alan Shearer. <laughs> so I went, right, okay, okay, no, that's a positive. Yeah, I'll go in. Because I looked at it one way, you have a sink or swim, I'll go in and actually, or, or we'll get some out of it. And me going in and, and us beating them three two, and they were a Premiership team, we were a Championship team. The fans went, "Hang on a minute, we've he, he could have easier left. He could have gone on loan somewhere, but he hasn't. He stuck it out." And from that point of coming back in to end the season, it totally changed the atmosphere. Fans were started trying, that's cheering for me then. Yeah. And it was just totally strange. And it was some of that I didn't want to do. It was some of that I got told off experienced pros that I'd played with and respected. And then we just get your head down and work. The yeah. opportunity will come, but they'll need you, but get you down and work. You're captain of the club. 
And that's how it happened, yeah. So what happened with the rest of the group? Because the, for, yeah, that, they felt, for that December, yeah. there was talk that Dave Jones might have been Correct. facing the sack. He was, the Newcastle game was big on him. The Newcastle game was big because he was under pressure. It was under massive pressure, Dave. And uh, I think Sir Jack had come out and yeah, kind of reminded yeah. him publicly yeah. that he'd promised promotion. Correct. Which um, is kind of the the sternest yeah. kind of thing you yeah, could probably yeah. get. Yeah. And and with Sir Jack living upstairs as well in in in, the, in his apartment, he was not too far away from quite a lot of stuff. But no, Dave. Dave was good at protecting the players in the squad as well. He wouldn't let what's going on outside. He'd still keep positive. You still keep going four four two, man. I've always been that way. I'm not going to change. We'll get out of this. We've got good players. You just need to get out there and put it together. And we went out there. The Newcastle game was the catalyst. We went out there, and from the Newcastle game, I think onwards, it's the end of the season. I think we lost two games. Yeah, it yeah. got us into the playoffs. Yeah. So again, you're going about momentum, and how did you lose that one the year before? I think the, the I think the team in six. We were like 18 points behind them at Christmas and we caught them and got them out of the playoffs and we jumped in the playoffs. Right. So you can see people coming, but you can't stop it. You can't stop the team's momentum coming at you. And we had momentum coming. We were going away and we were winning games and we're going, you just feel like you was going, you have that feeling, you know, yourself, Chris, when you go away is, oh, we're going to get a result here today. You just, you've just got the players in the team where the year before you're going, lads are confident, they're not confident, we haven't got that player in the team, we haven't got this player in the team. Yeah, it went, it went that you, way. you touched on Dave Jones there. How important was that he he protected the squad? Because, like you say, it showed this year before there was certain characters that never yeah. had the, the bottle for it or whatever you want yeah, to call it. Yeah. But he's under a lot of pressure, yeah. and still he was positive. He the message never changed. And that that that's some, that's a, the responsibility of a manager, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the year before when we didn't go up, it was, still wasn't his full squad. He still didn't have everyone that he yeah. wanted. He had probably eighty percent of the players, and he brought in Mark Kennedy, then Denny, Sean Newton, people like that. That yeah. was good players, but he was still missing. He was still missing, and he said basically, "Judge me when I get everyone in." Because you remember, there was thirty-seven pros, and out of the thirty-seven, Dave's gone on record. He only wanted to keep seven. So you can't do that yeah. in one window. Yeah, they've got to be around over two, three, or not the windows at the time. But no, no one's going to take them because the money that they were earning, Samori Kit Spires and all this, they were, they were big players. Yeah, and no one wanted to take them. Yeah, so they had to stay on the wage bill. So Dave had his hands tied with certain players, and he was in our. Everyone was in that dressing room downstairs. So even players that he didn't want was in the dressing room. They couldn't put them across to the away dressing room because all the kids were in there. So we didn't have a, a place to go. Yeah. So everyone was together. So you can imagine some negative atmosphere. So once he cleans that and got it all out and we were part of it, then you could move on because you could trust everyone in that dressing room. Um, the player final. Yeah. So you get past Reading and the momentum and it's Alex Ray. Oh, Alex uh, Ray, yeah. The Medeski, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and then literally 45 minutes into the playoff final, you are walking off the pitch, you're 3-0 up. Yeah. You must have thought you've done it. No, because we we're playing for Wolves. <laughs> Anything can happen. <laughs> Anything he can. We we went into the game and the build up to it is that we knew Sheffield United had got to a semi final of one of the cups and I think they got to a quarter. So they played about seventy games that season. They played a hell of a lot of games, and they were not an oldish team. But Stuart McCall was in there, yeah. and you know, good match up with Incy and all. Don't get me wrong, they were they were warriors, but we knew that we we had more energy and more more legs, as you say, than they did if we got at them. But 3-0, no, you can never, never, never imagine. But what we did, what an interesting thing that we did do, and I've not said it too much, is Dave loved to play out from the back and get his wingers involved. And If you have a look at all the goals, 
because there was a game before on Millennium, there was another playoff final, a rugby match before the day, and the pitch was horrendous. It might have been look, looking great from the stands, but they sprayed it with all this green paint, and it was it was horrendous. So when we walked on the pitch, Dave just went, basically went, didn't change tactics, he went, right, we'll just boycott, we'll bypass the midfield, we've got to get up to the front, the front lads as quick as we can, and we'll play from there. And that's not Dave's principles, but if you see a lot of the goals, it's clearances from full-backs areas, Blake has flicked it on or Corn, and we just played the pitch yeah. better than what they did probably. Yeah. And yeah, we had we had match winners in the team, but they did. They had uh, Unloving there and people like that. Do you know what I mean? They're good, good strikers at the time. Because Matt Murray on his episode talked about kind of the, the weirdness of the final 10 minutes or so. And you will probably find this as well, because obviously... You would have been you were defending the Sheffield United yeah. end, kicking towards the yeah. Wolves fans, and he kind of talks about the fact that he just sees this yeah. incredible yeah. vista of celebrating yeah. Wolves fans and Sir Jack with a thumbs up yeah. on the big screen. It, it was strange because surreal. Yeah, you come in three 0 up, and you've been to Millennium before. You've been in their dressing rooms, their rugby dressing rooms. They're massive. They're absolutely yeah. huge dressing rooms. So Dave's got us all in. The starting eleven just in the corner, and the others, <coughs> the lads are just kicking a ball around in the pack. And he just basically says, right, what do you want to do? This is that 3-0. And we went, what do you mean, what do I do? Well, there's two ways of playing it. We can go out and settle for 3-0, or we can go and get the next goal and really kill the game. So what did I do? I went and give a penalty away in the first five minutes. <laughs> so make it a bit interesting. That's all right, isn't it? So no, I went out and we were just basically, you know, you're still on the pitch and you're still walking out going, are we 3-0 up? Because we, the players are walking around going, and this is Dennis Irvin and Paul Lynch, by the way. We're all walking around going, is it really still 3-0? Because you're thinking that something's going to happen. And then we knew that they're going to be five, ten minute blast at you where they're going yeah. to come for you. They did get the penalty, and Matt, I made Matt a living out of it, Anna. So I can, Matt, holds, <laughs> Matt holds me a lot, don't I? But he saved the penalty. And then from then, um, it was comfortable. But I remember looking at the clock, I think it was five minutes of extra time went up. And I'm thinking, myself, and this is, this is my mindset. You remember, I'm a Man City fan as well. I, mean, I went through the 80s and 90s watching Man City. Three and a lot, five minutes ago, that could be 5 3 to them, a goal every minute. And that's my mindset. I'm yeah. thinking that. And I'm going, and you, Sheffield United are empty in their stadium. Their, st- their, their end's gone with five minutes about, yeah. probably about 3,000 left in there. And you're still going, something can happen here. And you're still thinking that. That's that's And I'm looking around and I thought, I shouldn't be thinking that. I've got Paul Lynch in front of me, Dennis Irving, Joe Lescott, Matt Murray, Lena. I've got like good players around you, but you're still thinking that until that whistle went, no. Right, on that there, you just said, you just went through the players there, you've got the momentum, you went, yeah. you blew them away in the final. Yeah. Why couldn't that team stay up? That team, and I'll tell you why that team, at the end of the game, um, Dave was brilliant with me being captain. He, he'd, he'd always he'd keep me involved with Sir Jack and he'd tell me the signings that I'd be looking at and he always said to us, and the, I think the squad knew and the town knew that if we weren't up, we needed five, six players. And this is the interesting part where it comes to it, what a lot of fans ask me about, and I'll be as honest as I can. Dave earmarked five top, top players that, like he brought the year before with Incy and, yep. and Dennis Irwin, one thing Dave was doing was good at is convincing a player to come. He wasn't a, a grass coach pitch. He could get that player, a bit like a red nap, he could get that player to come and sign for you. So he convinced these five players that he told me five, and I've, I've gone out public of it, and there's certain players around there that... You look at Robbie Fowler might have been coming in and Travis Sinclair might have been coming in and David James might have been coming in, Danny Mills. These are all players that we needed to to add to the squad. Yeah. So 
we went up, obviously, we're later than everybody else. The market's way behind two weeks, but David done his groundwork. If we go up, these players are coming. If we don't, then we'll see where we are. Some players might have to leave because we can't carry this squad in the Championship again. So we went up, we parted for, I think, two days, three days, come back, had the open top bus. We all went on holiday because we had a short break, all went on holiday, and come back uh, like we always did in July, and we were training at an RAF base that used to train at, out the back. Um, which was horrible, by the way. Um, and I always remember speaking to Dave on the first day, and I went, "Gaffer, so." Uh, and I'd come back super fit, really fit, because that my press, my position was under pressure. Joel was the number one centre half, and loved him a bit. And I thought, my it's my press, my position. What a centre half? They're going to come for my. And fine, I'll fight for it. I've done it before. Yeah. I'm not leaving. I'm going to fight. Yeah. So I made no excuse. I went away, trained like I've never trained before. Come back and thought, if he's going to leave me out, he's not going to leave me out because I'm not fit enough or this. I'm going to give him a. So I'll come back. First day of first week of preseason, it was just the same squad, that was there. So I said to the gaffer, I went, Dave, when's these players arrive? I've only got two weeks before the season, yeah. the preseason starts." a bit of an issue we the players we can't have them now I says why I says we just can't have them the budget's not there it was there before the playoffs it's not there now so I went what are we going to do then he went we'll just have to wait for loan signings and try and get players in I says this squad needs help yeah I says well, they're not a million miles away but we still need help and he went yeah but I'll just have to see what what we can do I'm going to the dressing room. Players are asking me, when's the new players arriving? When's the new players arriving? You're going, I think we brought the first one in with Silas for a million pounds or something. That we uh, Silas was yeah. third in. Yeah. Um, Oleg Lushny, yeah, Isaac Okoronkwo, Silas, Jody Craddock, Omri Kamara, Stephen Everson. Um, that was all the business that yeah. was done in August. And the Jody Craddock one was done late off the back of me because Joel had come back injured. And David said to us, I need a centre half, I've got a certain budget, but we've only got literally two weeks to work. Who, who have you worked with? I says, go and get Jody. Yeah. Go and get, I played with Matt Sunderland. Yeah, you know what he is. I, yeah. Go and get Jody. You know what you're going to do? He says, he only played in the cup games. He, he used to get brought in the cup games. Baldy used to get rested and he used to play him. Lovely. I'd go and get him. I know him. If you can get him, brilliant. Anyway, they got him. So we knew, I knew a quick relationship with him. But the rest of them, Oleg Nudgeny was coming in to play one game and then Dennis Sermon will play the another game Oleg Rosny will play the next game to give Dennis because Dennis he had arthritis in both toes he, yeah. he'd gone he couldn't yeah. walk yeah. and for Dave to convince Dennis to re-sign over the year was unbelievable because Dennis was, was out on his feet he was gone and so that turned into Oleg Rosny just being injured all the time and not wanting to play and every Friday he was injured and we knew that every time we went to the the training ground it was a Friday if it was an away game Oleg's injured so Dennis had to play again and we had to wheel Dennis out all the time and it was a guy who's played at the top level all his career yep. I've got learned so much about the guy he was um, never moaned never complained pff, never missed training when they were trying to pull him out of training unbelievable pro and I understand now when Roy Keane talks about he puts him in his all time great I understand because right. yep. he was pff, God God he was so good but didn't say a word didn't say a word, he didn't complain, didn't say, oh, I'm so torn. And they can imagine the pain he was going through, but he had to play every week because Oleg Lodgeny put him in that position. You defend Dave Jones a lot, I know, because I've done this stuff with you before. Because yeah. Lee Naylor's been on this pro on this podcast and he suggested that the team wasn't as well prepared no, generally. I, and I, I said that, I've said that a lot of times with you, Mikey, that we went into that season, the first game of the season, I think, did we play Chelsea at home? The I first game, so. I think we got beat five or something at home, was it? 
that season. Anyway, I think it was Blackburn away, wasn't it? Yeah, Blackburn, Blackburn five away. one. Yeah, away. then we played someone at home. Yeah, so uh, Charlton was the first home game. You lost yeah, four 0 Yeah, it was heavily every game, but it was the same squad as the year before. It was a Championship team going into the Premiership, and in the first four or five games, even though we'd all played handful of played, I played Premiership yeah. football. Dennis has it. Nathan Blake had a lot of them. He's still he's still running off a Championship team, and the games that were set up uh, pre-season. Nothing to do with Dave, but they were set up. You, 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 are not. They're not competitive enough. You were beating them seven, eight nil. So you didn't have the first game in sight of Blackburn away, and they were flying at the time. Blackburn the year before they'd come off, and they've got some good players. And you go when you got to Blackburn, and the first one goes in, and the second one goes in, and you've got six thousand Wolves fans behind the goal, and you're looking going, they don't deserve this. They don't come to the Premiership to deserve this. Now the team that's gone up two years ago with Nuno. Seven or eight of them are international players still playing international football, so you knew that would be capable of handling the Premiership. We were the way around. We had ex-internationals that had retired, like Dennis and Paul Ince and that, who were coming down, and they needed breaks. They couldn't play every week because getting into to training was hard enough. Do you know what I mean? To roll him out on the pitch, he'd train at Ince's pace, but on a Saturday he was unbelievable. So on Monday to Friday with Ince, he is he'd have a big coach's coat on, but he'd join in five side, and then come the Saturday. Couldn't fault him. Couldn't fault him, but you wanted to. You wanted to dig him out. So how can you train like that and then play like that? Yeah. That was Inse. Yeah. Dennis used to train every day. But we knew that we were short. And the players that Dave got the best to bring in, in the Oleg Lushnies, the Stefan Eversons, uh, I think Kyle Court coming in for a spell, a young kid at the time, we brought him in. They, was, they, were just, they would have been added to a squad. They wasn't starters, if you don't understand. Oleg Lushnies didn't want to play. He didn't even know where Wolverhampton was, I don't think. But it signed because they'd been released by Arsenal, so it wasn't additions to the the squad. It was just bodies that yeah. Dave had to bring in. But doesn't Dave Jones has is his whole philosophy has to change because yeah. it's a Championship yeah. squad 100%. in the Premier League, yeah. so he, he can't go and play that open, expansive no. game playing out and he in the back. To, he still wanted to, he still wanted to play with Newt, someone Shad, Sean Newt, and Mark Kennedy, yeah, Omri uh, Kamara at times, Selassie brought in, and he, on Dave, he, I know you said before about. I protect Dave. I don't. No, I I had a lot of in, interaction with Dave where I seen stuff in in his office and he heard stuff in his office that he was a very private man and he wouldn't let the dressing room know after stuff he was going yeah. through. Other players had issues. You're gonna get that. You're not gonna keep 25 players happy and saying that no, no what nails is like nails is nails. But he always played nails. Yeah. You understand? He always played nails. He didn't leave nails out. So it's that nails had some against what Dave. Well, was, yeah, or, yeah, not, he always yeah. thought Dave was picking on him. And he wasn't. He was just always the one that was playing left back. You stood in front of him here the first half a lot. So yeah. you're the first one he's going to shout at a lot. Yeah, but he knows that Nails can Connect. kick it as well. And that's hundred percent. Yeah. And I've spoke to Nails in the past, but Nails laughs it off. If people want to watch Lee Nails' episode <laughs> and listen to his podcast, it's available in all the usual places. So. Um, the one very quickly thing I wanted to get out of you though, just before we finish on our main show, is uh, say you know you had a close relationship to Dave Jones, which makes it more puzzling kind of what happened at the end of your Wolves yeah. career the, yeah. the contract situation that yeah. was were you did you feel a bit let down on that not let down off Dave let down off off the club and only one man and Jez knows this Jez Moxie Jez Moxie was the one that was dealing with it he was the there was no board in the sense there was a board but Jez made the decisions with, with Dave so from the Christmas time onwards in the Premiership, I think there was two or three of us out of contract. I was out of contract that summer. I think Alex Ray was out of contract coming up to that summer. And all we ever said, and I got my agent to deal with it with with, with uh, Jez, is 
if we stay up, this is contract A. If we get relegated, this is contract B. That's if you still want me. And Dave made a point. Well, if we go down, we need you if we went down. So it says, not a problem. But that's it. That's it. Black and white. A or B. And that, I wasn't asking for extra money. I was asking, don't give me one year contract, give me two. And in, yeah. I played in the Premiership last year, and I think you tell that the, the fans that I, I say to you, I, it was probably one of the best seasons I'd played in the Premiership under bad circumstances. And that's how the fans regenerated and got to it because they, they knew we, was, we were giving everything and we were we weren't as good as the, but we weren't as bad as some of the teams. So let down, no, in the sense of Dave, let down, I left it the last game of the season. Was it Tottenham? We got beat off Tottenham last game, kick of the game. It was Dennis's last game, wasn't it? Uh, before he retired we played that on to Spurs didn't we I think we got beat 2-1 or whatever it was 1 each or uh, the last league yeah. game was uh, Spurs yeah. at home yeah. so that I had a conversation coming in that day to to Jazz and Dave saying after today's game we're in on Monday because you used to go back in on Monday get weighed get every, all your stuff yeah get all your stuff where does it leave not a problem we'll be in touch now I had an holiday booked on the Wednesday that week with the family to get away to America straight away so I left it with Dave, not a problem, let me know. I'm in America, uh, I was there for three weeks, 10 days into America, I get a phone call from my agent. He goes, uh, I haven't heard anything back off Jazz. Now at the time, my agent looked after Matt Murray, who'd just been injured, Joel Escott, who'd just been injured, so they were constantly in, in dialogue with them. So he looked after five or six players in that squad, so it's not as if he wasn't speaking to him, he was just avoiding the contract talk. So he says, uh, my agent phoned me up, he says, Nothing back off off Jez yet, uh, but Leeds United want you. I might go. No, nah, I'm not going. I said they watched out Wolves. I still what I said. They offered me a one year contract, or they hadn't offered me. I was looking for a two year contract and so on. He says, "Well, my advice to you is, they'll they'll fly you back. Have your medical. So fly back on your holiday. So I had to clear that with the missus first and foremost to fly back. Have a medical at Four Parch, where you know where the Leeds is. It's Four Parch, it's whoever beside it. It's miles yeah, away. Yeah. I always thought it was Ellen Road, and it wasn't. It's another 45 minutes yeah. past it. Fly back, have your medical. That'll come out in the public that you're actually having, you're not signing anything. You're agreed terms, but you're not signing anything. Hopefully that'll then kickstart Wolves going, what's going on? Then I flew back to America for another seven, eight days. Come back, nothing. No texting, nothing. I saw a sports agent. I'm like, and you get panicky then, don't you? Going, yeah. What am I going to do? Because Leeds wanted to move on to somebody else. I said, what am I going to do? And he went, it's entitled to you. I signed for Leeds on a three-year contract on half the money I was on air. Yeah. And, and, I, and I left the door as long, as long as I could open for Jez and the club to come back to me. And they never did. So, And that's a true story. That, that it, it hurt me to go. It did hurt me to go because I thought we were not too far away the Premiership of going up again. And if you keep the squad again, you know yourself. When you get relegated, a good team, if you can keep the squad again, add one or two players but not dismantle three or four that you've got to replace who don't know. And that, go at Leeds, but hey, it's another chapter. I went to Leeds and... Yeah, well, it's another part of your journey <laughs> and we will talk a little bit more about Paul Butler and his time at Wolves on our extended podcast, which is available to download from all the usual places. Make sure you check that out, as well as checking out our backer this season. The Old Gold Club is powered by Blythe Group. Thanks for watching. The Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that was the show, on with the podcast. It, I mean, it's fascinating, really, because, Looms, you've talked about this a lot, in the element of that one of your biggest regrets in your career was leaving Wolves. It's funny the amount of people that come in on this podcast and say 
kind of the same. And it feels like you kind of feel that too, that you did everything to stay here. Yeah. It, it just, it's, it, it's, a, it's a strange place when you come to Wolves because it's not in a sense where you just feel welcome straight away. It's one of the most, the doors open and yeah. you just feel part of the, the family of the straight pretty quick. And they, and every fan, because I think it's where the, the ground's situated as well. Do you know, being in the town centre and you get people walking up to you and talking to you constantly. But it it's just an atmosphere. Playing out there on Molyneux, and the, the, this, this famous ground you go to, night games, that's the best place to play on a, on a Tuesday night and a, a Wednesday night when the lights are on. Not what they're doing now with all the flames, by the way. Now, that'd be, we didn't have that budget then. <laughs> Took that it to another level. That would have that been, been a left back, that. We would have started with that budget. But, but no, it's just a different place. It's a different place because you go to big clubs and they'll have one singing section. The North Bank and the South Bank, they have a go at each other during the game and you can hear it. And it's, it's going, it's brilliant because yeah. they're bouncing songs back off each other and you don't get that anywhere no. else. And it's just... It's just a big family, yeah. And it's just, it is, it is. And you've used to speak to my sons now, who are 23 and 21. They were at Sunderland with me, and they remember that a little bit. They remember it, and they were at Leeds. This is the best time. They loved it, yeah. They loved it, yeah. Um, Can we go back, right back to the start? Yeah. We talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about you joining on low. Yeah. And then there's that period when you might not have joined back. Yeah. And it took a while for Dave Jones to kind of maybe decide that you were going to come in and yeah, it was it was I'd, I'd come on loan. Colin Lee had been sacked while I was still on loan, and um, I had one game to go. And I'd only come down because of Colin Lee because he'd spoke to me on the phone. And he travelled all the way to York to watch me, so I had one game to go. Colin, I think Colin went after the Saturday, and I still had to the rest the rain that a week to train. So I spoke to Peter Reid, like he always did after every Saturday game. He used to phone me up and say to me, how was today's game, but so how, how did things go? Was it okay? How are you feeling? Are you ready for next week when you're back? And so on. He really was different class that way. So I phoned him on the Saturday, went to him, Gaffer says, um, the manager's gone. And he went, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'm only down here for him. I said, so, he said, well, come back then. I went, what, well, can I come back? He says, yeah, of course you can. You're our player, we can bring you back anytime you want. So I turned around, I went, I text, um, I think Wardy was the assistant manager. I said, I've got one game, nothing against you, Ward. I've got one game to go, but I'm running down here for Colin Lee and I'll go back up the road. I went, well, have you spoke to Jez? And I went, well, I'm not speaking to Jez. And then Jez put a, you can't go back, we're contracted for a month, we'll fine you, we'll do this, we'll do that. I said, well, deal with Peter Reid because Peter Reid wants me back. And in the end, I went back up. So, But while I was down here, he agreed the fee for me to come down. Cullen agreed a fee with Sunderland, even though it was like, Reedy was never going to sell me. He just agreed a fee just to get the, the paperwork done. And that alerted then Man City and Bolton at the time. So they were watching me down there. I went back up to Sunderland, I think it was in the November. And I don't think I'd come back down till the December, January, was it? Late January. Yeah. And it was basically, and, got, and it was, I've got to speak to the family as well, do you know what I mean? The missus yeah. and all that. She's up in Durham. We've got two little lads and, does she want to move again? Don't you know, only moved up there three and a half years early, and it's it's a lot to weigh up. Move the kids again, and move them down here again. There was that a good age where you can move them, but it's still a big thing. And do I want to leave Sunderland? Sunderland and Premiership, forty-eight thousand fans are going to go back in and play. So anyway, I spoke to Sam at, at Bolton. He phoned me up constantly. Joe Rowe was at Man City. He was phoning me up, and they all agreed a fee. Because Man City is your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they all agreed a fee. 
the same fee that really was never going to sell me to Man City because of his connections when he got sacked. <laughs> yeah. and, but he wanted me to go to Bolton because Big Sam was his mate. And it was all getting complicated. And I went, oh, you're missing something. I'm the player, I decide. So it was getting everyone, you can't go there, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I'm going, listen, enjoy my time at Wolves. I heard Dave Jones had come in. I knew what type of Dave. Then Dave picked the phone up and went, would you come back down? I went, of course I'll come back down. I said, but we'd read it. And him, <laughs> him, him being, him being a, a scouser reader and Dave being a scouser, they got on with each other really well. Yeah. So again, I was saying to before about Dave's powers convincing it. I was adamant really wasn't going to let me go because they were short centre-halves and if I would have left. But fair play to Reedy, he, he always says now when he meets, I shouldn't let you go. Because two games after the left, Emerson Tom done his cruciate. So I would have been back in. So it's yeah. just straight. I waited four months and then he, he gets injured two days after the I, I have to ask then, you followed City all yeah. over the place. Yeah. There's a sniff, they want you. Yeah. It was, I, I took a lot of experience from people and, and mates who are Man City fans. And I come up to this. So I don't know how I got to it because it was one of them where I've, I've players that I've gone and played for the idol, do you know, club, not growing up, do you know, like you've got um, his nails, a, a Wolves fan, I know Joel's uh, down the road fan, isn't he? but yeah. so lads who have, have been brought up, they, they want to play from. I never played for Man City through all the junior sections. I'd have supported them, but I've always wanted to, to, to play for them. So when I spoke to the missus, and she said to me, and this is an Irish woman as well, so she'll speak her mind. She said to me, what happens if you have a bad game? I says, what do you mean? I says, what happens if you've had a bad game at Man City? What are your mates you go out with on a Saturday? What are they going to do to you? What are they going to say to you? And it got me thinking. I thought, you're right, that relationship could go. Do you know, for me being selfish and what I'm playing for my own club, I knew I was signing for less money, by the way, and she didn't like that, the missus, that I was signing <laughs> for less money. And I thought... Do you know something? Yes, you've actually the mates have talked sense into me. And the missus has that I'm going there just on emotion. I want to go and play for Man City. I want to wear that strip. But if we were getting beat and it was getting, I live in Manchester. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah, but you're also confident in your own ability. Yeah, 100%, you know what you stand 100%, for. But, so that's, also, that's how we're. That's how we're. Yeah, together, but also it? you remember I've I've even when I was playing at Sunderland, I was on the terraces. I used to follow Man City away. Even even as a Premiership player, I used to go and watch him in the first and second division. And I used to give stick out to the players that were mates. So <laughs> you can imagine if I was what I was going to come round. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it, it never, it's, yeah, it never come around. But two or three years earlier, when I, before I signed for Sunderland, I was at Berry. I scored the winner for Berry at Main Road that sent Man City down. So that's we beat them one 0 So it was either Berry staying up in the Championship while Man City went down. And we beat them with like three games to go. It was a massive game. We were in bottom three. Man City was second from bottom. If we beat them, we pulled away six points and they were virtually gone. So I always say, I helped them out. Do you know what I mean? Because they went down another league and they got rid of all the players and they rebuilt again. So I have a party, not the Paul, Paul Dickoff goal, but I had a big part in it from the early days. So yeah, so I always, always, I always talk about that bit. But playing against them for Sunderland and Wolves and, and Leeds at the time, you get, you get your enjoyment out of that. Because when you go on the pitch, all you do is want to beat them. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's people say to you, yeah, but actually, no, no, you, you, I've scored the win, I sent them down. That's enough to tell me that, that I got sent off here, try to kick Darren Huckabee up in the air because I wanted to win the game that much. Yeah. And it's, it happens that way. But no, that's how it happened in the end. I come, come back down to Wolves. Um, you mentioned in amongst your chat about when you first came down yeah. and on the loan and stuff that you were threatened with being fined or you were fined. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the last time that you uh, 
going to these bits. And I was half <laughs> I was half telling Looms about this story that I can't remember it and obviously can't tell it as well as you do. But just explain um, your... You, was it sending off? There was a fight. Which one? The one up in Middlesbrough? Danny Mills one. Well, how many fights were you in? A few with NC and all that, yeah. <laughs> do you know what you said before about the boot room as a kid? We had the tunnel. Do you know the Molyneux tunnel? So I had I had a good relationship with the security staff. They were brilliant for me down there. Two lads at the top end and two lads at the bottom end. So I always used to say to them, if it ever kicks off on the pitch, I used to pull them at the start of the season, pull that tent out, there's no cameras in there, pull that, that thing onto the pitch, wait for me to come in last, I'll get Matt Murray and Incy down front and we'll box them in. But you turn a blind eye, get the referees and all out of the way. <laughs> And the amount of scraps I had in there was brilliant. You could see this tent was shaking like that. And like the fans used to, either side of the tunnel where the, the wives used to sit, didn't they? They're going, oh, they had it again, them lot. And, and it was, it was just, it was just one of them. The security just could pull it out and they'd go like that and face the opposite way. And it was just free for all. And we had some big lads in there then. So, Nathan Blake and that, they could, they could handle themselves. So you never dodged the fiends then? The fines. Which one? Which one do you talk about? The Danny Mills one up in uh, Sunderland, in Middlesbrough, or the one at home against uh, when I got sent off? From well, which was the one that the club said they would pay for you? Oh, that was the Danny Mills one. Yeah. So yeah. So we're we're, we're in the Premiership. So we're going going up to Middlesbrough, um, and Alex Ray had uh, been sent off again. <laughs> I remember I had three years with Alex at Sunderland, so I know exactly what it's like. But Danny Mills had been at him all game. And I'm big mates with Danny now, still. So it was so funny. And Danny, been at, you know what Danny's like? He's yeah. at, you're at, and Al's spitting everywhere, and he's after him on the pitch. And anyway, he does Al, and Al does him, and he gets two yellow cards, and he's off. And this is like relegation battle. This is towards the end of the season. So we're all looking around, out of 10 men, and, he, and he's, he's done Al a kipper, basically. Like, he's rolling around, and he's got another yellow card, and Mills is class at that. So I'm going over, me and he's going over, you're going to so on and so on waiting and he's going yeah yeah you and you and all I'm in on the pitch me and so going is he alright so <laughs> so anyway cut along to the show Alex goes off I think we draw one each or get beat one nil at Middlesbrough towards the end of the season right so anyway they've gone off so I said to um, Inset you go to the tunnel first get down to Middlesbrough's tunnel but they pull it out get down the tunnel and I'll, I'll wait for him off the pitch because Danny Mills is clapping every fan off yeah. the pitch at this I'll time. At Charlton, yeah. Yeah. Every <laughs> fan, because he knows that we're waiting for him. Yeah. Every fan possible. And I'm still in the centre circle just looking at him. It's me on me on. You'll get a picture of just me staring at him. I'm like that to him. And he's going, and I went, so anyway, he's walked off. The referees have waited. They've walked off him. They've got halfway down. For some reason, I always said to design, why did you turn around halfway down the tunnel to go and speak to somebody? Because the referees carried on walking and then left him. Ince is at the bottom of the tunnel with a couple of the players, Nathan Blake. Me and Matt have walked down the tunnel behind him and Danny's on his own there. And I thought, right, I've got him here now. So I've ran over to him. And just before I'm about to shake his hand, yeah, <laughs> this this can comes out of nowhere, isn't it, and smacks him one. <laughs> so I'm going, oh, he's laid him out. He's got one. So I'm devastated that he's done it before me. I'm going, oh. So I've turned around. The referees have run out. You've been at Middlesbrough Tunnel. ran yeah. out there. Looked across. And just seen me and put me on the report that I I, I punched Danny Mills. Yeah. And even all the security cameras that were in there just seen this hand punch this lad in the face and yeah. not me. So then I had I had to, I was on a charge. There was three games to go. I had to go to Sheffield United with Dave and the secretary Skiro at the time. Richard, Richard Skiro at the time. Yeah. The three of us went across. My case was it wasn't me. Mistaken identity. He says. So basically, I walked him. 
and the other panel, you've been, you've been in for these panels before, yeah. three of them, ex-player sits there, and I think it was the Wimbledon one that's out in America now that does all the talking, midfielder, uh, Earl, Robbie Earl. Right. Robbie Earl was representing the players' union, sat there. Us three sat there, did interviewing you, what went on, I told them a story, a referee come in, I pulled the referee and went, you're like, you didn't see nothing, it wasn't my hand, then he was kind of sheepish and all this. So anyway, we went back out and they went, right, and this is what Dave said to me, he says, we can't afford you to get your banned. I said, we'll we have to take a big fine. I says, no, no, I'm not paying no fine. It's nothing to do with me. I've not punched him. It's into his punch. He says, right, if we get a free match ban, you've gone for the season now. We can't have you missing the last yeah. three games. So we'll go for a fine of 15, 20 grand. I go, whoa, no. I says, I'm not paying it. I said, I'll go for the fine, but get it down here that I'm not paying it. Right, okay, that, that, yeah, we'll sort that out. Don't worry about it. We'll go for the fine. So I've gone in, pleaded that, this, that, and the other. Right, okay, that me, me record was good prior to that and he says right well we're going to find you I think it was 17,500 for it something like that and I went what's that Dave and Dave went okay no problem just, just for the benefit of people <laughs> listening he winks then so he looked at me I went right okay so I'm travelling back with Dave in the car comes back here so I says get this contract drawn up now about I'm not paying that the club will look after me on it yeah, we'll do it in the morning. Don't worry about that. We'll come in the morning and sort it all out. So I went, no, because my it's going to be sent up from the FA that I'm going to get fined. So I'll come in on the Tuesday and I've sat with the office with Dave and Jez walks in. So I says, Jez, what's the man? This, get this paperwork sorted out. He went, what paperwork? I went, the fine. I says, I'm not paying no fine. I said, I've took no matches to, to play. Nothing to do with me. So I saw it all with Dave. So Dave went... Well, what we can do, but we can take it three grand a month out your wages. And I went, I'm going, you know, you're not taking no money out. There's not. So this was backwards and forwards. And in the end, we come to some agreement. So, but I got stitched up. <laughs> and that was the last time I'd ever go in. and Because he got what he wanted. He wanted his player still what to play on a Saturday. Yeah. And I've got this fine. So, and that was all from Danny Mills. And then the funny thing about it is that was a season when obviously I left and I signed for Leeds. So I've gone in first day at Leeds, I've signed for Leeds, walked in and dressed him. I knew a few of the players like Gary Kelly from the island stuff and Hartie and all that. So I've walked in, I went, where'd you sit? I said, just grab anywhere, just sit over there. Do you know, grab a peg, sat there. Put my stuff up, walk in, taps me on the shoulder. Who is it? Danny Mills. <laughs> he just come back on the hole from middle. <laughs> he stood there and he went, and Kells had knew what had gone on because I said, Kells, if I see him again, I'm going to kill him. And he went, he's going to sit, and Kells put me right next to him. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the band. And Danny Mills walked in, and he had a cup of tea in his hand. And he went, do you want a cup of tea then? <laughs> and passed it to me. And that was that. And me and Danny got sat down and have a chat. They said, listen, it's football. They don't, I mean, he comes on the pitch, Danny's different class. Yeah, I like him, but a lot yeah. of people didn't. Yeah. But on a pitch, horrible, man. On a, oh, he's horrible, yeah. man. he yeah. get people sent off all the time, <laughs> on a bit like Muzzy. Right. I, I love it. I love that story so much. Looms's rundown. Here right, we go. Here we go. Big time. Right. The best player that you played with at Wolves? Um, probably Dennis Irwin. Worst trainer at the club? <laughs> Worst trainer. There was a few of them. Incy would be up there with it. Incy didn't train. He, he was, Incy just waited for the shooting at the end. He'd put it, like I said, he'd have his big jacket on. And then he'd just walk around in five sides and then at the end, his jacket would be off and he'd be smashing him in left foot and right foot. <laughs> so, I'd say Incy in a way, but what a player. Brilliant. Uh, the biggest mourner? Incy. And Alex Ray. <laughs> this is a proper run and, down. And, this is, uh... and Alex Ray, them too. Uh, who was your best friend at Wolves? Um, best friend at Wolves? I didn't have any friends, really. You keep yourself to yourself. <laughs> no, but one, that, one I keep with and I live next door to, probably Michael Oakes, the keeper. Yep. 
best and worst dress sense? Best dress sense is probably Nathan Blake. Blake, he was always smart. Uh, worst dress sense, probably Nails and Joel Escott at the time. Then two were having themselves, <laughs> having themselves big time. They'd come in with some gear from Birmingham. He does get burnt every day. <laughs> so. uh, who was the funniest player that you played with? Um, Nathan Blake is hilarious. He could have gone stand up. Seriously, he was so funny. For, probably f- followed closely by. Sean Newton. Newts is funny. <laughs> Newts could wind Blakey up. Used to call them, uh, do you know, um, different strokes. Yeah. Ah, no, them two. Yeah. Right, they were brilliant. Yeah. They call each other like the brothers. Yeah. Like, they were so funny. <laughs> Blake used to speak down to him, go and get me boots. <laughs> yeah. I know only Colin Lee for a little bit, but Dave, who was the best manager you worked for at Wolves? Um, I respected Colin for, the, for, the, for his values for these values that he stuck up with. But uh, Dave, Dave, yeah, I have to go down to Dave. Colin was brilliant because he was one to identify me and took the time out and managers at that level, I don't think do that, they'll send somebody else to go and do it. But Dave, Colin done it himself. But I'd say, yeah, Dave. Yep. Uh, what was the best uh, the best goal uh, that you scored or so scored? Uh, probably Birmingham away. Uh, always good to score at your rivals. We, we what two 0 up and we drew two each. I don't know how we drew the game two each, but two scored the first one. I've heard uh, right in front of our fans, so it's always great. You you scored a, enough goals anyway. When you scored it in front of your own travelling away yeah. fan, it's even better. Yeah. Isn't it? So it was in it was in the Birmingham and yeah, so Birmingham. What was the best game that you're involved in? A couple there. The Man United game when we beat them one nil was was an unbelievable experience. The, like I said, touched on the Blackburn the FA Cup. But the Millennium, Millennium, you can't. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's that's that's the one, and possibly Leicester at home when we're three 0 down on the Premiership and we beat them four three. Brilliant. And Dennis Suarez was in the other team on that day, but uh, he was there. So yeah, seeing some of the faces when we three 0 down, they're walking in and you beat them four three. So them games as well. Yeah. So what would you say is your proudest moment at Wolves? Um, achieving what I got brought here to do. Um. I'd done it the year before with Sunderland, we went up through, won the league. I'd done it two years prior to that with Berry. we went up through the two divisions, come to Wolves, basically get in the club where it, where it should have been. Um, I know we missed out a year earlier on it, but we delivered in a sense. And touching back on why we didn't deliver, I'm still a big believer in the first five games, if we would have won one of them, we would have stayed up. But yeah. that was basically how tough it was. Spot on. You've been brilliant. No it's problem. Been, it's been great to have you in. Um, I have had a message over from reception. Apparently, you still owe some of your fines. <laughs> you is, that, pay, is, that, is that for the fire door I kicked if, off that if time? You can, yeah, if you can pay them on your way out, that'd be, uh, that'd be tremendous. Thanks for coming in. No problem. No, thank Pleasure. You. Paul Butler, Old Gold Club. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Blight Group. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.
Wolves TV, the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game. But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.